0: It is hard to preach this morning. The Lord is moving; I can feel it. So good. Well, hey, um, I love you guys. Really thankful for our for our church family. I'm just feeling super gratitude right now. Love you. Like it's it's a big deal to come alongside each other. And can I just exhort us? Like one of my one of the things I love about this body. Is how you know we're talking about generosity one of the things i love about this body is how we extravagantly come alongside those around us it's a big deal there's a lot of there's been a lot of needs a lot of things that we've needed to come alongside for and i just want to exhort us thank you for coming alongside the body for lifting them up it's a big deal okay and i'm really thankful to be in a church that values that and that values each other It's not just about what we do here. It's not just about a big thing. It's about individually helping each other and coming alongside. Amen? That's good. All right, Galatians. I got to get to Galatians or I'm not going to have time. All right, how many of you were here last week for Wesley? Galatians 2 and 3. Wasn't that good? My goodness. If you were not here, you need to literally, after this service, stop what you're doing. Go back and listen to that message. Um, That was one of the best foundational messages i've heard it was amazing um and so you need to do that i um, just a very very quick recap why are we going through galatians okay as we were praying about what what do you want to do preaching wise i really felt like the lord was like you need to you need to go through a book okay i love themed preaching we do a lot of it here i love it i love just hey let's preach about stewardship or let's pray preach about this topic or that topic i love that you know what else I love, though? I love just letting the Word preach. Right? Like, sometimes I think, as preachers, one of the temptations that we can have is actually to not let this preach and to let ourselves preach. I'd rather let this preach. Okay? So what we're doing is, it may be a little unconventional. Maybe this is something you're like, man, I'm, I'm kind of getting used to this, like like digging into one passage of Scripture. It's a little different, Maybe. But I love just reading the Word, and then let's just say, "What are you saying, Lord?" Right? And so that's that's what we're doing. Galatians is a great foundational book about identity. Um, the theme running all the way through Galatians is freedom in Christ. Like you can't not read Galatians and come away with, "I'm free. I'm free. I'm not a slave to sin." I'm not a slave to the law. I'm free. Okay? And so, who's the author? Paul. Paul. Okay, that's good. Glad we know that. Um, Reason for writing. He's writing an encyclical letter sent to the four cities of southern Galatia to deal with the Judaizers perverting the gospel in the region. So, again, foundational. Galatians 1, what is Paul saying? He starts out very strong, you are distorting the gospel. Okay? Okay? This is the theme that's running all through it. There were Jews coming in and saying, you need to add the law to your faith. Hey, it's great that you have faith and that you have freedom, but you need to add the do's and don'ts to it, okay? You need to add the law to it, okay? So they were trying to come in and pervert the gospel, as Paul mentions in Galatians 1, 6, and they saw the freedom. I actually kind of love this. They saw the freedom of the Gentiles and it offended them. Do you know that real freedom is offensive to those without it? When you're really walking in freedom, it's offensive. That's why all throughout Scripture we have the religious leaders are deeply offended at Jesus because they cannot figure out why this man is healing on the Sabbath. They cannot figure out why this man is doing all of these things that are contradicting what they would say is the law of Moses, that they're like, hey, here's the checklist, and why is Jesus not checking all these boxes? Right? Because Jesus is like, hey, there's a new way. There's a new covenant. And the new covenant has true freedom. Okay? So real freedom is offensive to those without it all right so the date written uh, wanda mentioned this uh, again scholars most scholars would say somewhere in the late 40s ad probably like 48 is kind of a, a good date there uh, location where was this written uh, galatia was not a specific city it's a region okay so this was uh it was located in north central asia minor Uh, Paul does not specifically say what city he was sending this to. So it's most likely that it was circulated throughout many, if not all, of the regions of Galatia and the churches in the region. All right, so very, very quickly, Galatians 1. Paul is talking about distorting the gospel, and he's specifically talking about this concept of adding law to faith, okay? Now, if we were to look at this in 2023... And we were to say, what does distorting the gospel look like? We could probably come up with a lot of false gospels, right? There's a lot of things circulating in culture right now that are not the real thing. It's a counterfeit. Not only is it a counterfeit, but it's doing what Paul was saying. It's distorting. It's twisting. It's twisting. And here's the really scary thing is we've gotten so good at twisting while also still trying to have some of the same language and words. But it's, you know, it's just, it's like, it's just a little off. And if you keep down the path, the more twisted you get. Okay? So I want to point out just a couple of things. Um, Number one, any blank gospel is a false gospel. What do I mean? I mean, a lot of times someone, they... We try to create a social gospel, or a justice gospel, or a blank gospel. Now, anywhere in the Bible, do you see anything before gospel? What is it? It's just the gospel. So, rule number one, if you see anything before gospel, be very aware of, hey, hold on a second now, we're adding to the gospel, We're adding to it. We're creating a man-constructed form of something that's meant to be the pure, unadulterated, real, powerful authority that comes from the actual, true, just the gospel. Okay? Secondly, be aware of words like evolve. Okay? I saw this recently. I saw a church on their statement of beliefs. Well, first of all, they don't have a statement of beliefs because they don't believe in a statement of beliefs. And they said something like, the reason we don't believe in a statement of beliefs is because we believe that our Christian walk is constantly evolving as we go. Okay, be very, be very aware of that, okay? What are they saying? This actually has to change because culture's changed. Be very careful of that. And it can be very subtle. Okay, but be very careful of hearing that. The other thing I want to just make you aware of this morning is the word affirm. Okay, the word affirm isn't necessarily a bad word, right? It can mean, hey, Jesus is affirming you. What does that mean? He's encouraging you, right? He's, He's doing that. But there's another meaning of the word affirm. And the word affirm can also mean to completely agree with what you're doing. So what happens is, is you have people, they come in and they say, hey, Jesus loves you and we're an affirming church, meaning that we affirm you. But what they're saying is not we're encouraging you, they're saying you can come in and it doesn't matter what you're dealing with, we accept that and we think that you're, you know, you don't have to conform or be transformed, we just affirm. Okay, does that make sense? I want to be very careful about this, but I just want you to be aware of some words, okay, some language. Okay, Jesus encourages you, but he does not want you to live in bondage. So what happens is is you come in and we end up with with church culture that ends up being shifted and it ends up being more around us than it is him. And we have a bunch of people that are living in bondage because of this affirmation teaching instead of hey we encourage you god loves you but he wants to transform you you need to die to yourself be raised with new life and see him for who he is and to walk in the truth does this make sense all right i just want us to be careful about this okay any distortion of the gospel removes the power of the gospel because you don't have to change or be transformed if i don't have to change or be transformed that's not the gospel because i want him to change me i want him to transform me i don't want to walk just as i've been walking and if i'm allowed just to do that and not ever have to die to myself that is not the gospel all right we got to move on I could preach all morning on that. All right, let's go. Galatians 1. Galatians 4, verse 1. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave, although he is owner of everything. But he is under guardians and managers until the date set by the Father. So also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Verse 4, but when the fullness of the time came, God did what? Sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Verse 5, so that he might what? Redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as what? Oh, that's so good. Okay, so we don't have to spend a long time on this. What's Paul saying? He's essentially saying, when you were. When you were younger and before Jesus, you were in bondage to the law or principles of the world. He uses the word elementary, okay, the elemental things. So while we were children, while we didn't know, we were still under guardians and managers. What's he alluding to? You being under the guardian or manager of the law, okay? it communicates an old way of thinking and an old way of acting okay so there's an old way of thinking and an old way of acting so now Paul goes into hey what what is what is the new though the new is this Jesus came so that he might redeem those under the law so that you might be a son and daughter what does he say in verse six because you are sons God has sent forth the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are what? No longer a slave, but a what? Come on. Now, now hold on. If you're a son, what are you? An heir. That's a big deal. You're an heir. Through God. However, verse 8, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. So when you did not know him, you were essentially in bondage to things which are not really God. Okay? Verse 9, but now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known, now this is really, I love this language right here, okay, you have come to know God, but you have been you, have, you are known by God. And now Paul says, how is it that you turn back to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? Okay, so here's the problem, right? We've talked about this a lot in, in Galatians 2 and 3. The problem is, all of this language here, Paul's saying, hey, here's who you used to be. Here's who you used to be. Here's who you are now. And then he goes, but why are you trying to be who you used to be? Why are you trying to be, why are you trying to enslave yourself to that thing all over again? All over again. He's like, didn't didn't you hear, didn't you know? You're free. But now here you are trying to walk around again and trying to say, well, no, I actually have to do all this stuff too. And so you're literally putting yourself and you're doing it back in bondage. All right. You observe days and months and seasons and years, okay? What's he saying? Again, he's coming at, he's coming at the, the Jewish system, right? He's saying, hey, you're observing all the feasts, you're doing all the things, and you're, you're checking all the boxes, but you're actually in bondage, okay? All the requirements. They were getting caught up in all of this, and they were missing the point. They're missing the point. All right, number verse 11, I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. This is Paul just being real honest, okay? Hey, I feel like I've labored over you in vain. I feel like all of the work that I've done, all of the explaining that I've done has been in vain because I, I left you and here's where you were. You were in freedom. You were... You were, you were in walking it as a son or a daughter. And then I come back and here's what I hear about you. I hear that the Judaizers have come in and they're actually seeking to put you back into bondage. So I fear that I've labored in vain. Does this make sense? All right, verse 12. I beg of you, brethren. He's begging. Become as I am, for I have also become as you are. You have done me no wrong. I love this language. Verse 13, but you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. Now, let's stop for a second. We don't know exactly what this bodily illness was. Okay. Um, some people have suggested that maybe it was Paul stoning that we see in Acts 14. Other people, of course, have suggested what else? Yeah, thorn in the flesh. Is the other thing that some people have mentioned? We find that in Second Corinthians twelve seven, which again we don't know exactly what that is either. And there's a whole bunch of theories if you want to go look that up. Um, but again, wh- the point is though is it's because of his illness that he preached the gospel. And I love this. He says, verse fourteen, and that which was a trial to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or low, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus Himself. Where then is that sense of blessing, verse 15, you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. That's very strong language. It's very generous, right? He's saying, you guys were very generous. You welcomed me in even though I was struggling. I was struggling with illness, yet you welcomed me in. And so now, though, after all of that goodwill and all of that encouragement and you welcomed me in, what's happening now? So, I, so have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Okay, so what's happening? The Jews are coming in again. They are making Paul out to be an enemy. Listen, that freedom is way too good to be true. It's not real. You need to do all of this. And that guy who's telling you all those things, Paul, well, eh, he's not that great a dude and you know they're coming in and they're making paul an enemy because of what he's taught them okay they eagerly seek you not commendably verse 17 but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them wow but it is good always to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner and not only when i'm present so paul's kind of saying hey I want, I want to be eagerly sought, not just kind of like when everything's struggling and you guys are falling apart over here, then I have to come in and be, be present with you, not just when I'm present, okay? Because he's doing what right now? He's writing a letter. My children, with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you, but I could wish to be present with you now and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Okay, Paul is just like, look, I'm perplexed about you guys. I can't figure you guys out. Like, we started here, now we're here. We were freedom. Now we're law, freedom. You don't like me. I'm an enemy. Uh, what, what's going on here, guys? Right? And then verse 21. Now, this is where I want to spend the rest of the time, really, is kind of camping out in this section of patches here. All right, bond and free, 21. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the bondwoman and one by the free woman, but the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh, and the son by the free woman through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, for these women, this is verse 24, are two covenants. One proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves, she is Hagar. Now, this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. All right. Does anyone have a thought on what he's saying here? Just yell it out. What do you think? What's he saying? It's pretty quiet. Yes, they were doing it themselves. Okay, so let's, let's, let's break this down real quick. Okay, so obviously verse 21, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? So what he's trying to get them to understand is, hey, you who want to adopt the law again, have you really listened to what all you have to do? And do you, really wanna, do you really want that to be what you're doing constantly, what you're having to do? And then he begins, and I love this about Paul, he begins to do this compare and contrast And so now he begins to talk about, he's going back to Abraham, and he's going back to Hagar and Ishmael and Sarah and Isaac. Okay, do we remember the story? Okay. God promises Abraham that he's going to have a child. Do we remember this? Okay. Cool. What happens? Sarah takes matters into her own hands and says, well, actually, we are really old, and I don't know if we're going to be able to have kids, so actually, why don't you, why don't you go in with Hagar, and hopefully we'll have a son from that, and then we can kind of figure that out, okay? So what happens? Ishmael's born. Okay, here's the problem, though. God gave a promise, and he didn't say it's going to be fulfilled through Hagar, so Sarah, takes, so Sarah takes matters into her own hands, and we have, a, we have a son that is born, not of promise, but in the flesh. Okay. Here's what's happening. So this is what he's doing. And, and then he actually, so, so then he goes and, and, and he starts talking about covenants. All right, can I just put on, can we put on a teacher hat right now? Okay, there's five main covenants in Scripture. Does anyone know what the first one is? Noah. That's good. Does anyone know what the second is? Abraham. What's the third? Moses. Mount Sinai. What's the fourth? David. What's the fifth? New covenant. Come on. That's it. Oh, we're learning this morning. This is good. All right, so we have the Noahic covenant. It's the first covenant, right? Then we have the Abrahamic covenant. We have the Mosaic or language here in Galatians is the covenant on Mount Sinai because Moses was on Mount Sinai when, he, when God established this covenant with him. Then we have the Davidic covenant, covenant, and then we have the New Covenant. Okay? All right. So what Paul is doing here is he's comparing and contrasting two covenants. The Mosaic or Mount Sinai Covenant and the Abrahamic Covenant. All right, what does covenant mean? It's a legal term, right? Covenant is a legal term. How many of you are married? Okay, are you in covenant? Yes. All right, so it's a relationship between two parties that make a binding agreement with each other. So when we look at all of these covenants that we just mentioned, these five covenants, what's happening is God is making a binding agreement with Noah, with Moses, with Abraham, with David, and then Jesus, okay, through Jesus. So the Mosaic covenant is found in Exodus 19 through 24. It was given on Mount Sinai. Now, here's what you need to understand, and this is what Paul is going to be talking about, okay? The Mosaic Covenant was a conditional. Someone say conditional covenant. All right, what does conditional covenant mean? Does anyone know? Correct. Man, you guys are good. You got it, right? If you do this, I will do this. Okay, so conditional covenant. The Mosaic Covenant was if you abide by the law. I will do this. Alright, what about the Abrahamic Covenant? That's found in Genesis 12. The Abrahamic Covenant is an unconditional covenant. Oh, this is good guys, you gotta catch this. Mosaic Covenant is conditional. The language was, if you do this, I will do this. Catch this language that God uses with Abraham. The language that God uses It's found in Genesis 12 verses 1 through 3. He says, i will and there's not an abraham will oh what's happening it's an unconditional covenant meaning the work of fulfilling the covenant is on god it's on god So that's what's happening here in Galatians. We got all this going on because Paul is going all the way back to this moment and he's saying, hey, you guys are still under, you're still trying to be under a conditional covenant where you got to do all this stuff in order for God to do his end of the bargain when really that covenant is not what we're under anymore. And what he's comparing and contrasting is a covenant of promise, and he's using Abraham as an example because the covenant that God made with Abraham was that I will do it, not you. Okay? All right, then of course I just want to really quickly just go through the covenants really quickly. Uh, Davidic covenant, that's found in 2 Samuel 7 verse 16. God tells David, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. And that Jesus would come from the tribe of Judah. Judah. Okay, this is the Davidic covenant, okay? David's cry is in Psalm 132, and it's that I will not sleep, I will not rest until I find a resting place for the Lord. Okay, so David yearned for this thing. This is what he burned for, and he told the Lord. And I believe that one of the reasons that God made covenant with David and that Jesus comes through the line of Judah is actually because it says that David was a man after God's own heart. So David's heart cry was, I want a place for him to rest. Okay, okay. God makes covenant with him but Solomon is the one who gets to build the temple but David still gets the promise that Jesus is going to come from your line. Okay? Fast forward to the new covenant and we are a resting place of the Lord. David's cry gets fulfilled in the temple. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Come on, are you catching this? All right. Then we have the what? New covenant. Oh, you should get excited about this new covenant. What does it say in Jeremiah? Jeremiah 31 verses 31 through 34 is where we have, we have some foreshadowing of the new covenant and here God says this, I will put my law within them and on their heart I will write it. He says, I will be their God and they shall be my people. So we got this whole thing happening. We have all these covenants leading up to the new covenant where God says, I'm not just going to get rid of the law. I'm going to write it on your hearts. Okay, I know this is a lot this morning. All right, so let's summarize this. God knew the Mosaic covenant didn't work. And if you read this, How many of you can see that it didn't work, right? We went from everything's great and Israel's great to Israel's making a golden calf. What's happening? Why are we doing that, right? We just It was like this. It was like a roller coaster, right? The law didn't work because you can't maintain the law on your own. You can't live up to that standard. That's why we needed Jesus, the perfect man, To come as fully man and fully God and to be the full representation so that when he died and when he rose again, you can come in through him and you don't have to attain to this perfect thing and try to live up to it. You get to do that through the man Jesus. That's the gospel. Okay, we have all the covenants leading up to that. All right, so this is the the covenant. Though this is what Paul is saying. This is still the Mosaic Covenant, is still the covenant that many Jews hold to. They're still stuck in the Mosaic covenant. The conditional covenant. Okay? The conditional covenant that says you have to achieve right standing instead of you're justified by what? Faith. Okay? All right. That was a lot. Let's keep going. For it is written, verse 27, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for more numerous are the children of the desolate than of the one who has a husband. Verse 28, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. Verse 29, But as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him. Okay, what's he talking about? Ishmael. Ishmael mocks Isaac. Okay, so Paul, again, he's referencing this, okay? Ishmael mocks Isaac, and so we have Ishmael persecuting the promised one. Him who was born according to the Spirit, so it is now also. Okay, no, 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 hold on. So it is now also. So it is now also. What's happening in this time? The Jews are persecuting those born of the promise that are free. And so we literally have exactly what Ishmael was doing to Isaac was happening here. And that's what Paul's trying to say. He says, so it is also now. What's happening? The flesh is persecuting the one born of the spirit, so it is also now. Okay? Again, this goes back to what? Real freedom is offensive to those that don't have it. Persecution can come when you taste freedom and you're like, oh no, there's no way we can be that free. There's no way you can be that free. And actually, that's not even real. That's not true. So here, do all these things and then you'll be free. Right? And so there's persecution happening because of this. All right, verse 30. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So again, we're going to two things again. We're we're saying Ishmael and Isaac, okay? This word slave here means to be subjected to in the Greek. Okay, so through the law, you have to be subjected to following the entire law in order to receive the blessing. Through Jesus and the covenant stemming from the unconditional covenant made with Abraham through to the new covenant, it is by faith. And the keeping or working to receive the blessing is gone because God says, I will do it. And not only did he say, I will do it, he did it. Oh, that's good news. That's good news. All right, so Paul isn't using this passage to have a conversation about how slaves are about slavery and less than. He's using the passage to compare and contrast two different covenants, two outcomes, two identities, one that is based on you and one that is based on Jesus. Okay? We got that? Wow, this is a lot, huh? Verse 31. So then, brethren, we are not children of a bondwoman, but of the free woman. Again, what's he saying? You are not children bound to the law. You are children born into freedom. You're born into freedom. Oh, come on. Only in Jesus Christ can you become an heir and walk in true freedom. You cannot achieve this through the law or through continuing to follow an old covenant. You will work your entire life and not and never be free because you can't do it he did he did and thank god all right i want to i know this has been a lot i want to kind of go back to verses four through seven and i want to spend the rest of the time we've gone through the whole passage and we've talked about what the what the bulk of what paul is saying but i want to spend the rest of the time comparing and contrasting because paul does a lot of this in galatians 4. He compares and contrasts the difference between walking in the law as an orphan and walking as a son or daughter, right? Do you catch this language? We have son and daughter. we got slave. we got a lot of this, this comparing happening, okay? So I want to ask you guys a question. What is a slave-orphan identity say? Does anybody know? What are some things that if, you were, if you're stuck under the law and you feel like you have to achieve something, what does that say? It's on me. I have to do it. Okay. Anybody else? I don't belong. Yeah. I'm never enough. Yes. It's good. That's good. I don't have an inheritance. Yep. All right. So what I want to ask this morning, how does this impact the way we lived our lives, practically speaking? Right? Because, again, Paul is writing this here, but, like, now right where we're at how does this impact me okay i want you to listen to this So, slave orphan identity is fear-based why did we have ishmael mocking isaac because he knew he wasn't the promised one and so he's afraid so it's all through fear okay what is a slave orphan identity it's focused on the flesh okay it's inward it's it's flesh okay the slave orphan identity is all about self-preservation okay the slave orphan identity is all about independence all right what's a son and daughter identity okay we had fear base now we have what love acceptance yes It's good. Security. Confidence. I love that word. True identity. Dependence. Dependence. My man, that's it. All right, so freedom-based. All right, so if I'm stuck in an orphan mindset and I don't believe that I'm really a son, that means I'm going to walk in insecurity, which leads to fear. Okay? But if I believe that I'm a son or a daughter, and thus I am an heir, I have an inheritance, I am a priest, then what happens? I am freedom-based. I'm not flowing from fear. I'm coming from freedom. Okay, so these are the two separate identities. If you're a son or a daughter, you're focused on the spirit instead of being focused on the flesh, We're going to hit this really hard in Galatians 5 because this is what Paul's going to crash in on. He's going to say, hey, freedom is found through the spirit. Okay? All right. Son, daughter, identity, confidence. Somebody said that. And then dependence. Dependence. Slave orphan identity is I have to be independent and on my own because that's the only way I'm going to survive. It's, the, it's, the, it's that identity. It's that self-preservation thing. So I want you to hear what self-preservation does because this is really important. Self-preservation leads to self-guilt, self-abuse, self-shame, self-care, and self-denial. You feel as though you have to fend for yourself because if you don't, you won't survive or live up to the standard. So your goal becomes perfection and independence instead of dependence and reliance on the spirit. Okay, do you see the two? All right, so fear makes your walls come up and leads you deeper into yourself. You become all about what's going on in heat, right? It becomes all about self-preservation, insecurity. Freedom knocks the walls down and says you don't have to figure it out on your own, you don't have to hide. And deception feeds into fear because oftentimes its message is you are right to be afraid, protect yourself, isolate yourself, figure it out for yourself. Fear leads to bondage, freedom leads to life. Okay, we're comparing and contrasting just like Paul was. A a son and daughter mindset says, I don't have to be perfect because he is perfect. I don't have to be afraid because he is with me, right? I know we, we know this. This is probably like 101, right? But I want you to catch this because it's really easy. When we look at Galatians and we look at what Paul was talking about with the Jews, about achieving, about working, about coming in, this is happening because they were operating as they were operating as still in bondage instead of being free. And so what's happening here is he's contrasting this. So if I think about what's happening now, I think about the difference between me operating in an orphan mindset or me operating out of freedom because I'm a son or a daughter. So this is how this impacts our life is how am I still tied to a conditional covenant? And most of us in this room, me included, right, we wouldn't raise our hands and say, yeah, we're following the Mosaic law, right? But then there's remnants of our identity that still believe that achieving and following these things will earn freedom, will earn um, goodwill, will earn right standing with god will earn grace will earn faith will earn god thinking i'm a good son or daughter will earn all these things and there's just a small part of us sometimes that can still creep into that mindset that says hey it's conditional though like if you're if you're really gonna be loved and in freedom here's what you got to do to get there instead of jesus is the way right All right, I want us to stand. <laughs> I love going through one chapter. Wasn't that a lot? That was good though. Look, man. There there are there are a lot of people that understand the new covenant. They don't understand how we got there. And so looking Even knowing the five different covenants is really foundational. It sets the tone for the entire Bible is knowing the covenants that God set. Okay? So here's how I want to end. I want to end this morning because Paul is very clear with the believers at Galatia. The viewpoint that you have to do things for God to accept you, for you to be made right, is a distortion of the gospel. The idea that you have to achieve, focus on you, be independent, leads to a life of dependence upon you and what you can do instead of what Jesus has done, is doing, and will do. So this morning, I I felt like I want to just provide a time here at the altar, if this is something that hits your heart as we were looking at the difference between kind of that slave-orphan mentality and the son or daughter mentality, if there is part of you that you're like, man, I'm still subscribed to something that I need to step out of this morning. I need to step out of bondage, out of feeling like I'm still an orphan, like I'm still trying to, I'm trying to live free, but I'm trying to live free through thinking like I'm in bondage to something I just want to provide a time for you to come to the front and we're just gonna have a, a just a time of repentance this is just a moment to just say Lord I repent for that line of thinking I repent for thinking that I have to be independent on myself that I have to just fend for myself, that I have to do it that I have to do it and instead I put my reliance and dependence I declare my dependence upon you Lord and I come out of agreement with a fear-based lie and I come into the I step into the reality of freedom found through the Spirit found through what Jesus did I declare my dependence upon you Lord I repent for thinking that I can do things on my own in Proverbs Solomon says there's a way that seems right to a man but its end is death Lord, we, we want to walk with you. We want to declare our dependence and reliance upon you. So we just declare, ah oh, whoa. Just say, Lord, we, we don't want to be independent. We want to be dependent. It's not my way, but your way. It's your way. And so, Lord, even subtle ways that we've actually stepped into what Paul was was talking about to the church of galatia lord where we've actually come back and we've we've stepped back into a place of bondage thinking that we still have to do these things in order for you to love us to do these things in order to actually be free from something to do these things Lord. we step out of agreement with that and right now we step into life found in the spirit we step into life and freedom that is found in you lord some of you you need to step into the fact that the new covenant isn't on you it was on jesus and it's done (laughs) what did he say he said it is finished that's the work of salvation right and of course salvation is it is finished it's being finished we know this but some of us we need to step into the fact that jesus did it so why am i trying to do it as we come this morning and as we just step into a place. Lord, I repent for any way that I have tried to do it in my own way, in my own understanding, that I've, that I've relied on the flesh instead of relying on the Spirit, where I've, I've lived life more out of fear than I have out of freedom. You that as, as your word says that perfect love, what's perfect love? It's Jesus. Perfect love casts out all fear. Some of you, you need to hear this morning that you can actually be free. It's not just a, it's not just a feeling that some people can have. You can be free. You can walk in freedom.